Oh boy. Well, happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to MLB Morning Coffee. My name is Greg Moraz, your host, as per usual. The usual housekeeping items, make sure you write a review, leave a rating, and subscribe. Also, make sure that you tell a friend to tell a friend to tell another friend about the show. I didn't record an episode for yesterday, and there's a reason why. This show today is not going to be about baseball. I could talk about the MLBPA's proposal to MLB owners and the new counterproposal, but I'm going to save that for tomorrow's episode. Because talking about whatever semantics baseball is trying to do to get their season back underway is not important right now. It really isn't. I want to talk today about the issue that has swept the nation in a way that I've never seen in my lifetime. I was born on July 31st, 1992. I was born after Rodney King. So I have absolutely no recollection of what happened in Los Angeles on April 29th, 1992. I remember in 2016, having just moved back from the state of Iowa, here to the San Francisco Bay Area, and seeing Colin Kaepernick's protest against police brutality unfold. His message of social justice and trying to fight for equality for all. And he got blackballed out of the NFL because NFL owners didn't want anything to do with somebody that was trying to send a message and that was protesting against an institution. People misconstrue this all the time, that Colin Kaepernick was somehow disrespecting the flag of the United States when he was taking a knee. He wasn't disrespecting the flag of the United States. He was standing up against police brutality and for social justice and for cops everywhere to be held accountable for their actions. Colin Kaepernick was a martyr for the social justice movement amongst professional athletes. And because of that, he was blackballed out of the NFL. Teams tried to make the excuse that he was not a quarterback that could fit their roster and that his accuracy was an issue. Colin Kaepernick led the San Francisco 49ers to a Super Bowl and to two straight appearances in the NFC Championship game. You're telling me that Mike Glennon or Blaine Gabbert, and for those of you that are football fans, you know who I'm talking about, two guys that are career backups. You're telling me that those guys deserve roster spots over Kaepernick because of the fact that they're better quarterbacks? B.S. Complete and utter crap. That's not the reason. Colin Kaepernick was blackballed out of the NFL. And you know what? There were a lot of lessons that society should have learned from what Kaepernick was doing at the time. 
and how his teammate Eric Reed followed. But guess what? We didn't learn. We didn't learn at all. And you know what? Now, we are seeing why this nation is as upset as it is and is as angry as it is. When you watch the video of Derek Chauvin's knee in the back of George Floyd's neck and him saying, I can't breathe, and Chauvin keeping his knee there for nine minutes and his three fellow officers did nothing, absolutely nothing, as people stood horrified as a cop murdered an unarmed black man in front of a nation. And the fact that that officer and the three accompanying officers were not charged right away? What are we doing here? Why can't we get this right? As you see protests break out throughout the nation, it is not just because of George Floyd. It is not just because of Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and Eric Garner or Trayvon Martin. It is because all of these individuals were killed because systemic racism exists and is enabled in the United States of America. I want to say a couple of things first. I am a white man. I will never know what it's like to be an African-American man in the United States of America. I do not have that perspective. I will never have that perspective. So I want to make that clear first. Anything that I say, and it is my opinion, but I believe it is a just and right opinion, I cannot ever justify how I feel with how the black community feels. I will never have that perspective. And if any black person that is listening to this show disagrees with me or feels like I don't understand any of what's going on, that is your right to have that opinion. I totally get it. You do not want to have a white man telling you this. And I am going to play a segment from Lawrence Holmes' show from Monday. Lawrence Holmes is a radio host on Sports Radio 670 The Score in Chicago. The first 20 minutes of his show are going to be at the end of this episode today. Lawrence Holmes is a black man that gave one of the most powerful monologues I have ever heard. And I hope that you stick around to listen to that. And you know what? If you don't want to listen to the rest of what I have to say, I encourage you to skip ahead to the final 20 minutes of this show and listen to what Lawrence has to say. Because he has a perspective that I will never have. And that is being a black man witnessing countless black men and women 
being unjustifiably murdered by rogue police officers. There's a certain point that everybody gets in regards to any issue where they finally can't take it anymore. And with COVID-19 and the worst economic crisis that this country arguably has ever faced, 40 million unemployed, 105 dead Americans from coronavirus, and in one of the toughest times that this nation has ever seen, we get this. We see the video of Derek Chauvin murdering George Floyd as he chokes him to death. And America explodes. And I understand it completely. And everywhere around the country, people are protesting peacefully and then followed up by rioters and looters and anarchists that are trying to take advantage of the situation. On Saturday, I took a sign and I walked all across the city of San Francisco. I know it may not have meant much, but I wanted to make sure that I did my part to show solidarity with the black community and to show solidarity not just with George Floyd, but with all African Americans that have been affected by police brutality. Why didn't you listen to Colin Kaepernick? Why did you condemn what he was trying to do as disrespect against the flag? Do you think I care about the flag? The flag is a symbol. The flag should symbolize the values of what it means to be a citizen of the United States. And right now, there are fewer and fewer reasons for me to be proud to be an American. Because there are people that are taking advantage of protests to riot and loot and burn businesses to the ground. Businesses that are owned by black people and people of other minority races that are having their livelihoods destroyed. And there are plenty of white supremacist anarchists that are coming in and trying to smear what the protesters are trying to do. And everywhere around the United States, you are seeing anger because the system that we put in place to protect us is not doing that. I have seen encouraging acts amongst police departments across the United States of America that are in support of the protesters and in support of Black Lives Matter and understand how much needs to be done to hold the entire system of policing accountable for their actions. People get into law enforcement because they want to do the right thing. And I have seen countless acts of kindness and generosity and understanding from police departments all across the United States. I want to point in particular to the sheriff in Flint, Michigan, 
that took off his helmet and his gear and actually talked to protesters and told them that he understood why they were protesting and then finished their protest walk with them. There are so many different actions that I have seen from police officers across the United States that give me hope that we can eliminate systemic racism. Most cops that get into law enforcement do so because they want to do the right thing. They want to protect and serve. That is the oath that they take when they join their respective city's police force. That is the oath that they take. I know several police officers, and I know that they do the right thing. But yet I see images all across the country of police officers that are escalating the problem. When I saw the TV crew in Louisville, Kentucky get shot at by police officers with rubber bullets, I wanted to throw up. If you know me, you know that I do not stand for anybody degrading or attacking the work of journalists. I will not stand for the people that scream fake news when people can't accept that certain news is fact and they don't want to believe that fact is fact and just want to believe what they want to believe is true. I will say this right here and right now. Do not attack journalists. Ever, 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 ever. If you want to lose me as a friend, if you want to piss me off, you go after journalists, and you go after the work that they do. So when I saw that news crew getting shot at in Louisville, I wanted to throw up. When I saw Omar Jimenez of CNN, somebody that I went to college with and knew for four years, get arrested on live TV for doing his job. Doing his job. I just lost it. I absolutely lost it because I couldn't believe what we had come to. And every single day since then, there has been something that I see that just absolutely breaks my heart because I want to believe that we are better than this. But I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing any progress. And night after night, I see peaceful protesters getting shot at with rubber bullets and tear gassed. And Monday, the president declaring war on the American citizens and wanting a photo op in front of a church so they tear gas a group of peaceful protesters so that he can walk for a photo op? Are you kidding me? 
What happened to democracy? What happened to we hold these truths to be self-evident? That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, many can argue that America was never created equal. Because at the founding of our nation, we had slaves. And that slaves were not freed until the 1860s. And that it took the civil rights movement of Martin Luther King in the 60s to desegregate the American South. When I was a kid growing up and learning about Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement, I wanted to believe that racism was not a thing. But as... I, at age 27 in the year 2020, have come to learn racism has never gone away. In the age of the person that holds the office of the president, and that man is a feckless coward. On Sunday night, while the nation was burning, he was hiding. He was hiding when America needed him. To be an actual leader, he was nowhere to be found. No message of unity. No message of solidarity. And then comes out on Monday and decides that he wants to declare authoritarian rule over the streets of the United States. You can't just put the U.S. military on the streets because you don't like the fact that people are protesting. I don't support rioting and looting. Nobody should, because it is wrong. It goes against in what we believe is right. There is a fine line that we need to draw and understand that there are peaceful protesters that are in communities all across the United States that are standing up for what is right and standing up against police brutality, and fighting against systemic racism. People are angry because black Americans continue to be profiled by police officers because of the color of their skin. I will never have the perspective of a black man. I will never know what it is like to be racially profiled. I will never have that perspective. And I hope that I have struck a tone in this monologue that gives the listener an understanding that I, in no way, shape, or form, have any relation to the experience of what it is like to be black in America. Because I never will. I never will. People were mad because Colin Kaepernick was apparently disrespecting the flag. Who cares about the flag? Who gives a flying bleep about a piece of drapery that's a symbol? A symbol that right now, I am not proud to be associated with. I have said this to myself many times in the last couple of years, but I will say it right here, right now. At this moment in time, I am not proud to be an American. I am not proud 
to be a white person in the United States of America. The values that I learned in school about what it meant to be a citizen of this country, I feel like there are a lot of people in the United States that have lost their way, that don't understand what it truly means to be from this country, and that when you look at the way we are handling this, and the way that we handled COVID-19, we are a global embarrassment. And if you don't feel the same way, then I'm sorry, I can't help you. I am angry because systemic racism should not exist in the United States in the year 2020. But it does. And we need to do something about it. I am a white man, and I will never have the perspective that those of the black community do. But I know that I need to make a difference in my community, which is why I had my own protest on Saturday. I wanted to make a positive impact on my community, which is why I walked all the way across San Francisco holding a sign. And to anybody that stopped me and said hello or said thank you or wanted to discuss the issues, I appreciate you doing so. The America that I see on TV is not the America that I want to live in. I want to make a difference. I want to make this place truly equal for everyone. And that a black man can walk down the street and not feel like he's in danger of getting pulled over by the cops just because of the color of his skin. But everything that I say that I want to do, you should want to do too. You should want to get out and send a message to your community. To send a message that you will not stand for systemic racism that you will not stand for police brutality and that you stand for social justice, that you stand for equality for all, that you stand for what is right and what we truly believe makes the people of America exceptional. There are so many things that you can do to make sure that your voice is heard to make a positive impact on your community. Are you upset with what's going on? Do something about it. Don't just sit behind a keyboard and tweet about it. Don't just sit there and wish it so, because wishing it so won't make it so. Do your part to make this a better place for everyone. You have the ability to change the world for the better. So don't sit back behind your keyboards and your Twitter machines and go out and make a difference. Be the change you want to see in the world. Rest in power, George Floyd. Rest in power, Breonna Taylor. Rest in power, 
Ahmaud Arbery, and rest in power to every black American that was a victim of police brutality. Myself and countless other citizens of this country are going to do our part to make sure that systemic racism is eliminated from the fabric of this country. Make an impact. Do whatever you can to make an impact. Do not stand by and be indifferent. Be the change you want to see in this country. Register to vote. Volunteer in your communities. Do your part to make the world a better place. To finish off this episode, here is the opening monologue from the Lawrence Holmes Show from Monday. Lawrence is a host on 670 The Score in Chicago. He is a black man. And this is some of the most powerful audio you will ever hear. It is long, but please listen to all of it. It will give you a perspective that you did not have before. Like I said, I am a white man. I cannot ever, ever understand what it is like to be black in America. But Lawrence can, because he is. Thank you for listening to me. Please give your time and dedication now to Lawrence Holmes as he delivers some of the most powerful words that I have ever heard. Stay safe, everyone. Today's show is going to be a little bit difficult for me to produce and probably even for you to consume. I am an emotional roller coaster right now, and I think that today's show is probably going to reflect a little bit of that. So I appreciate those of you that will allow me the room to work through some of this stuff. And I understand the people that want to be made bicycles. And if you want to go find someone else to make you a bicycle today, I'm totally okay with that too. It's been a very, very strange and disheartening weekend, to say the least, on a lot of different fronts. And... In some of that, there's a lot of good, and I want to make sure that I spend some time spotlighting that good that comes from it. I also want to – June's my birthday month, so I always get excited about June, but it's also Black Music Month. It's Pride Month, so happy Pride to everyone, and enjoy some black music and black culture this month with it being Black Music Month. You heard me on Friday towards the end of the show talk about my feelings about what happened to George Floyd. And I didn't want to make it personal, like share personal experiences. Cause I, in some ways, this show is a microcosm of who I am. And some, there are things that I, I'd honestly like rather keep private. I just know that growing up as a black man on the South side of Chicago, that there's an inherent fear of the police because of the history of their relationship with people of color and the black community in particular, and then my own specific run-ins with the police. 
these are difficult things for people to understand. They are difficult things for people to talk about. The reason that I'm on an emotional roller coaster is because I've been toggling back and forth from despair and rage to feelings of optimism and support. And I don't think that I'm alone in that. I Yesterday was, was a, a really crystal clear moment for me last night. Jason did this Zoom. He did like an open Zoom where he just wanted to talk. And it was, uh, it was heavily populated with people who don't look like us, which was great. And they were people who were willing to listen and in some cases provide feedback, ask questions. You know how all the time that people will bring up the idea of dialogue? Well, I thought Jason actually accomplished it yesterday. And for three hours, we sat there and we talked with people. And it was mostly Jason. And I, I don't want to take any credit for it because this was his idea and his execution. I lended my voice whenever it was appropriate or whenever Jason was overcome with emotion. And it was good. It was a good thing. It was a good thing to see people that care show that they care. So that's why I'm on this roller coaster because there are these moments there are these moments inside all of this madness where people can show you that they're trying and those are things that I appreciate I I appreciate the effort even if you don't necessarily get to where I want you to be at this very moment, the fact that you're willing to put yourself on the journey is is a big step for all of us. The issue of police brutality, it's so steeped in to how we approach talking about the police overall. Th- that inherent fear that anyone feels whenever they get pulled over It's amplified for people of color because of the risk of not being able to go home. Police officers talk about that all the time, about how dangerous their job is. I'm I'm with you. It is a extremely dangerous job. And for those people who do it correctly, I salute you. There are those in your midst that don't want to do it correctly, that are actively working against what it is that you want to uphold as someone who is giving their life to protecting and serving the citizens of the cities that you patrol, those people have to go, period. There's no redemption for those people. The redemption is for officers that are willing to take up the the responsibility of calling those people out and making sure that they don't have access to weapons, making sure that they don't have access to power, which they can then use to subjugate citizens. That's where all of this starts. And that's why I said on Friday, like, we're counting on you. Until there is actual reform, And in this city in particular, that looks to be further and further down the line. 
with the, the current mayor of the city who made promises in that regard, but was very quick to fall back on to the tactics used by her predecessors when it came to trying to control protest that turned into looting in some cases. And you saw what the allocation of police officers was last night. If you were paying any attention, there are hundreds of officers on the corner of North and LaSalle last night with very few protesters. And some of that is is because those officers were there. But while all of that was, was dying down, there were neighborhoods on the south and the west side that were getting absolutely ravaged. But it was made clear over the weekend what the priority was in protecting and serving. And the protection and the service was meant for downtown and the near north side. When you see that type of disparity and carelessness and and in some cases cruelty play out, it makes it very difficult to believe a damn word that politicians say. When you decide that there's going to be a curfew at 9 o'clock and you say it at 8.30 and you pull up all the bridges so that people can't get home and then you cut off the CTA. You cut off the CTA yesterday two and a half hours before the curfew. There were essential workers who were downtown that couldn't get home. There were protesters who were doing it peacefully that weren't going to be able to get home. There were people who worked for the CTA who actually rely on the CTA to get them to and from where they're going. And when you see actions like that taken by the people that are sworn to protect us as citizens, it's discouraging. It's equally discouraging to see neighborhoods, local businesses destroyed. There are a lot of places in those places that the mayor was so hell-bent on protecting that are going to be made whole downtown and on the near north side. They're going to have insurance that's going to pay for those things. They're going to be made whole. But there are places on the south, the west side, the east side, that don't have those protections in place. To see in many cases that economics played a role, class played a role in where our officers were deployed was extremely upsetting. As for the the human element of it, the anger, the rage that that I I know that I'm dealing with and I'm I'm working through 
it's hard to know where to go where when you see playing out on live television, playing out on social media. I hate that I even I, I have to say this because clearly most of the police officers that are out there are out there with a sworn duty to protect and serve. And a big majority of them are doing their job. But even in protests of police brutality, we are seeing police brutality. We are seeing rubber bullets aimed squarely at citizens of the United States when they are meant to be shot on the ground first. We are seeing liberties taken away. And that's why on Friday I was trying to appeal to my brothers and sisters who are on the 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 other the opposite end of the political spectrum. If you're all about don't tread on me. Then you should be about that for people who are being tread on by authoritarian authoritarian governments. And authoritarian action. If you've got the flag with the snake and everything else. When you see misconduct by police officers. You shouldn't then applaud it when it's not happening to your community. When it's happening to someone else. That's when your voice would be needed to say, hey, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in authoritarianism. I don't believe that citizens who are on their own property should be gassed by officers who are following military-grade tanks down their streets and are just wondering what the hell is going on. We allow the militarization of our police forces as a matter of control without asking questions on whether that's the proper way to go about policing communities. We allow and have allowed officers who have no connection to communities to police those communities. And most frustratingly, we allow for police officers to have a protection when it comes to prosecution that is disgusting. You saw, I saw what happened to George Floyd. If you're wondering why people are angry, they're angry because two officers held him down while another was choking him out for nine minutes. And in that moment, it would have taken one police officer to go, stop. He's had enough. Move your knee back to his back. Let's get him in the car. We're talking about justice. If you think that George Floyd is a criminal, fine. 
we'll allow our imperfect justice system to figure the whole thing out. It is not the job of police officers to go out there and be judge, jury, and executioner. Especially in a situation when their lives weren't in danger. And I know that we're going to move away from, we're going to get farther and farther away from this and this being the most important thing, that there are a lot of people that already, I'm extremely disappointed with the way that a lot of new services have covered this because now it's all about, it's, it's, it's no longer about making reform and trying to quell police brutality. It's now become a referendum on what is the proper way to protest. We're right back where we started with the Colin Kaepernick stuff. If you can't understand the difference, because there's been a stark difference that has been placed in front of you now. For everyone that wants to complain, I can't believe that Colin Kaepernick did that. There's a stark contrast in someone taking a knee and sitting there quietly and then when being asked, sharing what he feels versus some of the things that you have seen. I'm also disappointed that there's clearly been a hijacking of message by some I'm not willing to go to the links that our governors and mayors have gone to where they think they have got it completely figured out and they couldn't wait to run with it. Oh, well, we know who the people are. The agent provocateurs, we know who they are. From Minneapolis to right here in the city of Chicago, couldn't wait to get to that part. And condemn all the people that are out in the streets. The whole thing is. It's terribly frustrating. And it's. It angers me to, to no end. Um, I really hope that there's change. But that's where the emotional roller coaster is for me. I see people willing to help and that kind of fills that bucket of hope back up. Like part of the cruelty that I saw displayed civically was like, to me, this was the cruelest thing. Even more cruel than cutting off people downtown and abandoning the folks on the south and the west side. For all the children that were supposed to get their meals because they're not in school, because we're dealing with a pandemic over this, for the city to then cut those meals off for today, I thought was incredibly cruel. And it's something that Lori Lightfoot should wear forever. Forever. She should wear that.
but I am filled with hope when um, when I see that there are places like the Pilsen Food Bank that are going to step up. Lakeview Food Bank. Urban Grill is going to be feeding students today. Caesars Restaurants. Shout out to those guys. They're going to be feeding students today. And uh, and I, I, I thank all of you that when I offered opportunities on Twitter for you to donate, For you to work towards being part of the solution. That you took took that on. And you said that these kids. Our kids. They mattered to you. And even if you could only give $20. You were willing to do it. That you were willing. To send money to people who were going to go help these business owners on the south and west side clean up. Whether you were doing it with your brooms and your garbage bags or if you were doing it with money. Those are the things that give me hope that we're not too far gone. That people all over are doing their best inside of a pandemic when they might be out of work they're doing their best to try and help and I don't want to lose sight of that I don't want to let my rage on this subject lose sight of how good we can be when we try but and please keep helping if you can I know this is God, this is the this is the worst time to ask anyone for help. And we're all just trying to figure out if we're going to make it, if we're going to make it. But know that this stuff is out there. And I took note, man. I took note of the people who who checked on me, who, who were worried, who checked on their friends. Because this is hard. And you might think that it's a small thing, but it's not. Your black brothers and sisters 
your friends, they need to hear that you support them. And you don't have to have an answer. You don't have to have an answer. You just have to be a human being. You just have to have empathy and say, I know that you're hurting. And I'm here for you. It means so much. I have friends that reach out. And I just told them over the weekend, like, I just couldn't talk. Like, I couldn't talk. But it meant something to me. That they reached out. So do that. Reach out to your people. And check on them. Like I said, emotional roller coaster, right? Like <laughs> today's show is uh, definitely an emotional roller coaster, and I'm gonna stumble and falter through a lot of this stuff. But there are times when I'm incredibly encouraged. <laughs> I don't have kids of my own. I've always felt like the kids of the South Side and and the kids of the West Side are mine. It's part of the reason that I love teaching. I was very inspired by my students this weekend. How hard they work. And for my seniors. What an awful hand they've been dealt. But it means a lot that. For those of you that are willing to help those children. Keep that. Keep that spirit. 